Welcome to a very special episode of the Odds Checker podcast where we preview the Champions League final and I'm joined by three guests who know exactly where the value lies and can talk us through in depth of probably the biggest game of the season. Firstly, we have David Priest, a regular on this podcast and ex-pro goalkeeper, now broadcaster and someone whose insights into the game are ultimately pretty, pretty shrewd. How are you doing, David? I'm very, uh, very well, mate. Thanks for having me. David also representing Black Type, who have a, an exclusive offer for listeners listening to the pod, so stay tuned for that. Talking of tuned, base tuned to red on Twitter, uh, Andrew Beasley, he's a football statistician, journalist and Liverpool fan. Uh, someone who's, who knows more about the numbers behind Liverpool than anyone. Good to have you here, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me, George. Looking forward to this. And our Spanish football e- expert from Football España, freelance journalist Colin Miller. Good to have you on for your debut. Lovely to be on, George. Thanks for having me. So I want get, to get to you guys uh, and, and get your wealth of knowledge on both uh, Real and Liverpool. But first, let's, let's look back at, at the Champions League and what's happened this season and try and work out going forward into next season what we can learn from it going going forward basically if you if you look at the likes of Barcelona and, and Man City who've dominated their domestic leagues and, and, and fallen short in this competition David what, what do you think it is what is it about these two teams that's got them to the final despite arguably having a disappointing domestic seasons I think it's also your case you know you often see it in domestic cup competitions as well where you you, you see teams that are floundering in the league and then they seem to find form in the cups it's a little bit different with these two teams obviously they're they're packed with quality and uh I, I just think that it's been it's been stable in their season where they you know they they haven't been able to get themselves get a little bit too down about uh, about what's happened in the league as long as they, they they qualify for the Champions League that's that's the big one as soon as it gets out of sight especially with Real Madrid they've kind of just let them being able to uh, let Barcelona just get on with the league form and and they've put everything into the Champions League I mean for Real Madrid arguably this is the focus rather than La Liga anyway so it's. It's probably maybe it's understandable that uh, uh, it's helped them that they've they've been allowed just to ease off the gas in there when it comes to the, the both the leagues and uh, they've couldn't concentrate on this. I mean, if, if you see Liverpool only secured a top four finish on the last game of the season, despite looking like the second best team in the league for the majority of it. As someone who's been in changing rooms as a pro, is it the case of if you've got a big cup run or you've got big matches ahead, do you let your take your eye off the ball in the league? Do you let it slip? Not at all. I think that sometimes uh, people can say that. I mean, often with you'll get teams in an FA Cup final who are struggling against relegation. Wigan, classic example, a couple of years ago, and people can say that it becomes a distraction. But the winning the the winning these cup games, despite that form, and it's um, it, there's no real correlation. I mean, there's no real. Um, Disadvantage to having these cup games. If anything, you know, winning games it, it, it gives everyone a little boost and going into take them into the to the other games that, uh, throughout the season. And unlike a certain, you know, Emery, who I think back in his Sevilla days when they were in a cup final, used to play the uh, the Sevilla B team for, for the majority of those. I mean, for Colin, for Real Madrid, was this season in La Liga written off at an early stage, and this has been the focus ever since. Yeah, um, essentially that, that has been the case uh, for, for Madrid, that El Clasico defeat just before Christmas, that, that signalled the end of any title challenge and whenever that went, their focus completely shifted into Europe, but they know how to navigate this competition, You've, you look at the draw that they've had, they've had PSG, they've had Juventus and they've had Bayern Munich, so the champions of all three of those countries and they've gone away to each of those and won, they've, they've navigated their way through to the final, whereas others have fallen away and 
Madrid, as we've seen over the years, they are the team for the Champions League. They know how to perform in these key moments. They know how to raise their game. And the shirt, it still carries that bit of an aura in Europe, you know, and it's a little bit of a cliche, but I think it does make a difference that when players are, are driven and focused in these certain games that they can excel. And it's actually there, they've almost been the tonic to this tournament in a way because it's been a more open tournament than it has been over the past few years. But we've been used to these elite sides always getting to the quarters, to the semis. But this year it was a little bit different. Liverpool have had their first sustained run really in about nine or ten years, since 2009. Roma got to their first semi-final in over 30 years and Sevilla since 1958 got to the quarterfinals. So there's been these teams who've gone on these runs and there's been a lot of upset. But Madrid have been the one constant. And I think the main reason has been they haven't, they haven't allowed themselves to be swept up in momentum of games, whereas you look at what happened to City, at Liverpool, what happened to Barca at Roma, even even what happened to Juventus against Madrid, these these teams have sort of let the games run away from them a little bit, and Madrid haven't allowed that to happen, and I think that's been the key behind their run to the final. Is there a feeling that the Champions League is changing? I mean, we talk about tournament football often being cagey because goals are so important, but this year, I mean, we've seen huge, huge uh, goal fests in, in effect in the knockout stages, and does that does that play into the hands of teams like Liverpool and, and uh, Madrid, who are so dependent on their attacking force? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely been higher rewards this year for attacking phases of play. I think there's a, a sort of new terminologies come in, this storming tactic, which is which is what sort of Jurgen Klopp almost antipathised with his Liverpool side. You know, these, these phases of play where you've got 15 or 20 minutes and you just... You just pour forward, you push the fullbacks right up, you try to flood the opposition, and that's been very effectual. And even even with Madrid, we've seen that in certain phases of games as well. And they're a team that come on particularly strong late in matches, which is which is typically where, where Liverpool are maybe a little bit weak whenever they begin to tire. So I think that might be key on Saturday evening. It's going to be a fascinating contest to see those contrasts of styles, but, but they both are attacking sides, so it should be a fascinating watch. And Andrew, before we, we go specifically into Liverpool... I mean, on the back of what's happened in this Champions League, I know we've got the big game still to come, but even so, looking ahead at next year and future Champions Leagues, what do you think is the, you know, the recipe for a successful team? Well, I think they've got a lot of the pieces in place, particularly since they brought in um, Van Dijk, obviously, in January, has improved things at the back, and um, Karius has, uh, seems to have discovered his form, which he didn't have last season. Well, I'm sure David could explain that far better than I could. But, um, <laughs> so they, they seem to have sorted out the defence... Um, the front three will all be there next season, so that's in place. Um, Naby Keita coming in as well. So they've got the... I mean, it's the same as this season. They'll have a very strong eleven. It's whether they've got the um, backups in reserve who can sort of cover for that. Um, obviously, uh, sort of jumping ahead, but my sort of concern for Saturday is that Liverpool don't really have too much on the bench that can, can change it um, if they need to. And that could be a theme um, again next season, depending on who they bring in. Um, Oxley Chamberlain's done very well, but he's had a bad injury, so he won't, you know, may not appear until the new year and stuff like that. So um, they definitely need to bring in a few more players, and there's some good players been linked. Um, but I think the sort of the foundations are there um, to have another sort of cracker at least finishing the top four and obviously try and go deep in the Champions League again. You, you know what we were talking about there, the reason why both clubs are maybe not uh, being firing all cylinders with uh, in, in terms of the league form, but it, it's probably sort of opposite ends of the scale where of Liverpool probably do, don't have the, 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 the squad to... to, to to, to to mount a um, sorry I'm stuttering here to, to mount a, uh, to a, a, like a, a realist a realist a realistic challenge on the uh, on the title um, uh, when, when they take players out they are visibly weakening the side um, 
on the opposite end of the scale, you've got Real Madrid, who they've got uh, embarrassment and riches really sort of in the midfield and, and forward areas. And arguably this season, with the Chopman changing, and uh, it's, you could easily point out and say that Zidane doesn't really know what his, his strongest uh, setup is. And, and I think, you know, going into this uh, the, the match on Saturday, they could go into two ways, and perhaps Zidane doesn't even know which way this uh, was the, the best way to go. And I actually think, in terms of the Madrid squad, if you were to compare them to last year, their squad last year was, was tremendous. They had tremendous strength and depth. And what they essentially did was they had their Champions League lineup for their for their path to the final and, and ultimately winning the trophy. But they had uh, an almost like a B team that they put out for most league matches, especially against, against sides in the lower half of the division. And you looked at Hamas Rodriguez, Alvaro Morata, even Mariano Diaz, who's moved to Leon this season. And I mean, they, they have all found, I mean, they're all top level players, just, just beneath the bracket of what Real Madrid were looking for. But they had this tremendous strength and depth. This year, it's been a little bit different. And we saw it even earlier in the season whenever they lost uh, 3 1 at Tottenham. And you looked at their bench, and there was a lot of talent there, but they were very young, they were very raw, the likes of Danny Ceballos, Teo Hernandez, who they brought in over summer, players who aren't ready yet. And that's been a sort of theme for Madrid in terms of they buy players with a view to the future. I think the last player they bought with a view to actually coming in straight into the first team was Tony Cruz and that was four years ago. So they've they've got a system in place but I think they maybe overshot it a little bit last summer in terms of their squad and they maybe made a little bit of a misjudgment and that has it has affected them domestically but whilst they have that first team still in place they they've still thrived in Europe. Can you for I mean for listeners like me who who looking in from the outside don't really understand the Gareth Bale situation from someone who who knows Spanish football better than most of us. Can you explain to us, you know, it looks like he probably won't uh, start on Saturday by the looks of things. It looks like it'll be Isco, Benzema and Ronaldo, according to reports. Um, he scored a great couple of goals the other day. He look, still looks like, despite his injuries, he's still got that pace and power to, to do well. I mean, is he going to leave in the summer? Is he unlucky not to be getting in the team? The indications, certainly, that, that are common from the Madrid press are that he is likely to leave, he's likely to move on. And it's, it's a sort of strange situation when you think about it. Gareth Bale moved in 2013. Since then, he on Saturday, he could win his fourth Champions League title with Madrid. I mean, that, that is remarkable, four and five years. And he's a player that, that started off so, so strongly, but it, it's his injuries and his fitness have really caught up with him. And there's been recurring fitness problems and fitness issues. And Madrid fans, they're not the most forgiving fans in the world and, and when little things like that start to catch up with him and maybe takes a little bit of a, an effect on his form, they can easily get on his back and we've seen that with Karim Benzema as well but there's also been a concerted sort of issue around Madrid with a lot of the a lot of the press have made this big push for the young Spanish players like Zavisco and Marco Asensio who's, who's almost the same sort of player that, that Bale is in that squad. So there's been almost a, not a campaign but certainly Certainly some people would hope to see them replace maybe Beal, Benzema in that starting eleven, And I think that's maybe had a little bit of an effect. And they, they know as well that they can get a lot of money for Beal should they sell him. They can reinvest that in the squad. They're not a club who spent a lot of money over the past two or three years, but I think this summer they will. And Gareth Beal, I mean, there will be interest in him. There's bound to be still a fantastic player, but I think Madrid would be open to a sale this summer. I'm someone who likes to settle down in front of a bit of La Liga on a Sunday night. I must say that the idea of Lucas Vasquez getting into a team ahead of Gareth Bale's team is absolutely extraordinary to me. Um, Andrew, on, on Liverpool, um, it's, it's been an age-old problem of, of Jurgen Klopp's team to struggle to break down the worst teams, the teams that sit back a bit, but then be very, very good against those teams who are happy to come forward and leave space in behind. So in that sense, is this success in the Champions League, A, not a surprise, and B, something we can continue to expect going forward? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they've, um, they've certainly improved against um, the lesser sides this season compared to previous seasons. They, have, they, they did draw too many, but they, they had chances in a lot of those games um, to win them. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the Champions League probably does favour their style a bit more than um, a lot of the um, lower sides in the Premier League. But I, I mean, I think not. To say, it's wrong to say they've been lucky. But I mean, some of the the tactics that they've had to face have almost played into their hands. The uh, back three that Roma used at Anfield just was brilliant for Liverpool's front three. Um, <laughs> And Liverpool may well have won that game anyway. Um, Is it a bit of a concern for Madrid then that they basically play with the back two? Well, maybe, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, hopefully. But um, So, yeah, I think some teams have sort of played into Liverpool's hands a bit, which obviously they may not be so lucky um, next season. But, yeah, certainly they're, they're, they are better when they um, basically don't have the ball quite so much, certainly. They've probably surprised teams as well. You know, obviously Van Dijk strengthens, uh, strengthens the back line. But it is, it's exactly the same. It's, it's, it's almost that it's people have, um, haven't even given the, the respect that they deserve because they think, OK, we know we're going to concede a lot of chances as well, but we think we can get that them. And that's when, when people think they can get at Liverpool, that's when they open themselves up and that's when they're, 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 they're Liverpool are the most dangerous. So we're going to get onto the betting uh, markets in a bit, but before we do that, we're going to look at the game uh, in a bit more detail. We'll start with the managers, and then we'll go through the, ta- the tactical battles that we'll see. Um, David, J- Jurgen Klopp, I think his reputation is, is just growing and growing within the game in his time at Liverpool, and, and you know, major silverware must be just around the corner. Um, how do you view him now amongst the kind of managerial elite in terms of tacticians, in terms of, of just generally getting the best out of his team? I think the the best thing about Jurgen Klopp that we can see is that uh, we can, you know, regardless of what uh, you know, cups he has or hasn't won, it's the fact that they're so enjoyable to watch, and you know you can put him, you can put him next to Mourinho who finished second this year and Liverpool's fourth place, but you know you can guarantee who people would rather watch and be Liverpool, and I think it carries it a long way now. Even with uh, you know people talk about Pochettino, Tottenham not winning any trophies. But they're good to watch. You they're enjoyable to watch, and and, and that's what you want. And like I said, it, it, that carries a long way in there in today's football. We, we you know it's not enough for teams just to to set up the, the way that United do and, um, and and grind out results and and not enjoyable to watch. And and I think that's the, what Klopp brings, and that's why he's so popular. And that's why you know if he, if the Liverpool do have a dip and they maybe don't have a great season next year. They'll be given that benefit of the doubt, and they'll be given another season because they know what uh, you know what these teams are capable capable of. I'm scared you're now going to get inundated with tweets from Man U fans, Man United fans, with gifts of you know good to play for good uh, good football trophies and stuff like that. Because uh, but I agree with you. I mean, second place is nothing if it. If yeah, it's I mean, I'm coming at this from like a, if another perspective. I'm yeah. not, I mean, I'm not a Liverpool fan, I'm not a United fan, no. you know. But it's it's just the way that you, you, know, you see the game. Yeah, absolutely. And how does he rank, Andrew, for you in terms of, of you know, recent Liverpool managers uh, as a fan? Oh, he's been brilliant. And I think there have been, obviously there have been good managers um, in the past, but not, not that many in more recent times that have had sort of su- sustained success. Um, and back-to-back top four finishes uh, for the first time since 2009 shouldn't be underestimated, particularly with the European commitments this season. And I think as well, you know, he's been in, um, he's had eight cup competitions since he moved to Liverpool, and this is their third final. They had one other semi final, so all right, they haven't yet won any of them. But I mean, 
that's not bad. That's kind of getting to the latter stages in, in half your cup competitions as well. And, you know, European two out of two in Europe. So he's doing very well and it looks, it looks set to continue, which is brilliant. On to Zidane now. And unless you've got anything to say about, about, about Jurgen Klopp, uh, Colin, but yeah. the, the, he's, he's on the verge of getting his third consecutive Champions League, Zinedine Zidane. And yet we still talk about him as if he's almost lucky to be there, that he's no great t- tactician, that he's just someone who, who's the figurehead of a team who, who can take care of itself. Is, is that reflected in, in the Spanish public's mindset or is that just t- totally unfair these days? Well, it is interesting in that he was asked directly in his press conference um, ahead of the match. He said, "Well, you know, you know, are you are you somebody who's who's obsessed with tactics? Do how how much do you focus on?" And he's like, "Look, that's not what I'm strong at. That's not that's not my main thing, and I've never pretended that it is." But his focus was on this this sort of togetherness and the sense of belonging within the dressing room. He, he wants to keep players happy. He wants to keep players focused and driven, and I think that's what he's done tremendously well. Um, yes, he he has had tactical issues, certainly, which have maybe been exposed a little bit in the domestic side of things. But in Europe, I mean, to, as I said earlier, I mean, to go away to PSG and to win, to go away to Bayern Munich and to win and to go away to Juventus and to win 3-0, I mean, those those are remarkable triumphs. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's a little bit, there's an element of luck in those games. Especially of course, the Bayern game. Yeah, no, well, and, and, but of course there is. But I think, I think the Regeni Cup final team has to have a little bit of luck, especially in the Champions League. You need a couple of things to go your way. And I, th- I think Madrid have had that, but... At, at the same time, he, he's somebody who there's no players seem to fall out from. Maybe the one exception was James Rodriguez last year, but whenever you think about the, the level of rotation within Madrid's squad that's happened over the past couple of seasons, it's remarkable how how everybody has been kept has been kept happy and and has had a strong relationship with the coach. And I think they trust him. Obviously, there's a, a large element of what he achieved in his playing days that, that's helped along with that. But I I sort of see him as the, the, for Madrid, there's so many waves coming to the club in terms of, you know, there's so much coverage, it's intense, there's so much scrutiny, but he's just like the rock that absorbs it all up, you know, he, he, he goes out in front of the press, and if you actually listen to what he says, it's incredibly dull, it's mundane, but, but that's what he wants, he, he, he just like, look, I, I, don't want, I don't want any headlines, he just wants his team to go out and show that they're very good players, and ultimately it's a very simple approach, but it, it's really paid dividends, and, and it's something that's worked. And we go back to, to, to Jurgen Klopp, and I echo the sentiments earlier. I mean, he's a fantastic coach, and I think the job he's doing at Liverpool is tremendous, and I think he's the right man for that club um, and for what they need at the minute. But the one concern you would have is maybe if you look at his record in finals, and OK, yes, they, they've been maybe the underdogs in, in those games, but he's lost five, the, the last five of the six. And you think of maybe going in into Saturday's match, we were saying earlier, but what, what if something goes wrong within the game? What if there's a slight shift in momentum? Will he change his approach? Because I see him as having an approach that, that, that tends to work and it's very effective in matches. But whenever things go wrong, his in-game management is the one thing I would question. And that it maybe explains his slightly poorer record in finals. I don't know if that will have an effect on Saturday or not, but I think the first goal could be important. And it'll be, if there's an early goal for Liverpool, it'll be interesting to see how Madrid approach it and if, if they do come out a little bit more. I mean, going on to the tactics, I mean, the one, whenever I hear people talking about Zidane and being a poor uh, tactician, I think back to the Atletico Madrid final where he absolutely nailed it. He just sat, sat Madrid very deep. Atleti didn't know what to do with the ball for once. They were the team in possession against in Madrid, which never really happens, and they picked them off very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a chance he could, you know, given he's come out in the media and said, I'm no great tactician, is, could this just be a cover-up for, for a similar 
sting tactic where they're going to come out and maybe uh, maybe approach it in a similar way. Yeah, I, I think I think they're going to be a team that they're not going to look to take the initiative in this match. They've seen Roma try to do that. They've seen Seti try to do that, and it's and it's obviously backfired. I think they're happy to soak up pressure, to absorb it and the head on the counter because ultimately that's that's what worked very well for them throughout the tournament so far they've got a lot of pace going forward and with Ronaldo with Isco and Benzema they know the positions to go into they know the movements they need to make and they have such a strong connection I think they'd be they'd be very happy to do that I think they might look to maybe get an early goal but if, if that they're not going to push it they're not going to force it and I think they'll just sort of let the, the game take its take its course and as I said earlier the momentum in matches, they don't they don't get caught up in that. They they just they just have this calm approach to keep their composure right throughout it and they know that the openings will come up maybe in the last fifteen or twenty minutes that they can exploit and I think they'll have the self belief and confidence that they can do that. I think the the first certainly the first twenty minutes is key because I think that's why Liverpool think they'll they can win the game. If they go straight for, for Madrid and and get an early goal, that's uh that's definitely where they can win the game, and so it, like I just said there, if we can, if Madrid can, as long as they stay in the game late in the game, they've got that belief to to get them through as well. But certainly in the wide areas, um, Madrid's left, uh, Liverpool's right, that's going to be key. You, you think that um, no, whichever way they 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 shape up, whether it's four three three or four four two, that left side has to have some protection. Because it, it, Liverpool, uh, uh, superb at drawing full backs out and exploiting the space in behind them. They don't have to draw Marcelo out. <laughs> they don't have to draw him out. He, he's already out that space and sort of uh, uh, around that side. He, he's, so, he's used to he's used to being able to cover that space. He's, he's quick. He's, he's the deeper of the two. Let's uh, Ramos go and, and press higher up further in front of him. So he's. That's the area that they, they need to defend. But like I said, it, it's. Um, it's something that they are used to because he's always vacating that space anyway, Marcel. I think now's a good time to bring up the black type offer given what you've just said because, I mean, I must say, watching the, the second leg of the Bayern game when Madrid were meant to be protecting a lead and you saw uh, Thomas Muller, who'll be playing in that wide you know, kind of inside-right position that Salah will take up on Saturday, in absolute acres of space as if, you know, as if Madrid were trying to chase down a 3-0 deficit. Um, so black type have an offer exclusive to um, listeners... Four to one on Salah to uh, to score any time and Liverpool to win the match that is on the main uh, that's on site on the on the on the game. So uh, have a look at that. Yeah, I mean, even in that area we talked about, you know, about uh, drawing full backs further forward. Even when Firmino and Salah when they're switching uh, switching positions, Salah will come inside, draw the full back inside, and leaves Firmino with a lot of space at the back stick. If there's nobody draw draw inside, then it's it's difficult for them to do that. So it's it's going to be more even more important when they're breaking. They can try and get in behind Marcelo when he's uh, when he's already forward. Uh, Andrew, another interesting battle I think is going to be between the midfield threes. You know, in, in Tony Cruz, you've got probably the best ball playing midfielder I think, uh, especially from deep areas in the world. And Luka Modric, you've got an absolute master on the ball. And then you look at Liverpool's. Um, three in, in Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Milner. Three guys who aren't necessarily as creative, but are very com- you know combative at least. Um, and then Casemiro is obviously the battler for for, for Real. And given that we there's only one way Liverpool I think know how to play, and that's to get on the front foot. But then they're maybe not the most technically gifted compared to their their rivals. I mean, how's that going to work out? Um, it's going to be interesting, certainly. I mean, I, I think you've sort of you covered what I would say. It's basically a matchup of. Um, very strong technical players versus grafters, essentially, mm-hmm. on the Liverpool side of things. Um, they Obviously, their main job, really, is to get the ball forward as quickly as they can to the front three. They don't have to do anything too fancy, particularly. 
they've just got to win it back and they've got to get it forward and let the front three do what they do best. Obviously, as we've said, you know, Salah's going to be in behind um, Marcello. Um, Firmino can drop deep, maybe take one of the centre-backs with him, all these sorts of things. But, yeah, it is going to be interesting. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, Henderson is a divisive figure amongst Liverpool fans. That's probably putting it politely. And, uh, but he's got to have a big game. I mean, the funny thing about Henderson is when he's playing well, you have all these people saying, people who think Henderson is, is rubbish are idiots. Then when he's playing badly, people who think Henderson are great are idiots. He seems yeah. to be someone who goes through these trends of uh, dividing opinion, basically. Yeah, I mean, I like him. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. I think he's, um, he's, a, he's an exercise in confirmation bias, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> People see what they want to see. Um, and uh, the last Liverpool game I actually went to was um, against Bournemouth at Anfield about a month ago. And he had, he had a pretty good game. But he played one pass straight into touch and the whole stadium sort of groaned, basically. And that's despite him having a really good game. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't think he's ever going to win anybody over. I mean, I, perhaps lifting the trophy on Saturday might do it, but um, but as I was saying, he's got to have a he's got to have a and big then the game. World Cup in July, maybe as well. Like. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, he doesn't have the burden of captaincy, no, exactly. does he? So um, he can just get on with his game, whatever. I, I think the biggest problem with players like John Henson is that uh, people always complain about what they're not mm. instead of just accepting what they are. And obviously, under uh, Jurgen Klopp. He's been given a role. He's been given a job to do. I think in the in the past, certainly when he was at Sunderland, he was more of an attacking force. I think that he's, uh, his last full season at, uh, at Sunderland, I'm sure he was the player in the Premier League who created the most chances for his strikers. Yeah, well, he's uh, paid wide right a lot. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he, he's got a great engine, so if you want him to get forward, he can get forward as well. But obviously, he's been given identity under Jurgen Klopp and he's flourished under it because he, you know, he knows exactly what he needs to do. He's, uh, and the same happened with Steven Gerrard under, uh, under Rafa Benitez. You know, he, he didn't want him to be this uh, Roy of the Rovers all over the place, indisciplined. He gave him a role, he put some, uh, put some restraints on him, so he was more disciplined and he, and he flourished. And the same's happened with, with John Henderson. Like I said, it's, it's, it's no point complaining he's not this type of, um, a certain type of midfielder. He's doing the job that he's been told to do. Talking of divisive figures, can't have you here without going through the keepers, David. And... Um, I think two two players whose traject- career trajectory are going slightly differently at the moment, in Kaylor Navas and, and Loris Karius, two people who've definitely, again, uh, divided opinion, but Karius has obviously taken that number one shirt, or, or he is now you know, Liverpool's first choice, whereas Navas uh, looks like possibly his time at Madrid could be coming to a close. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one with uh, Kaylor Navas. Uh, I, I've never really taken to him as a, as a keeper. He's, uh, I think he's an excellent goalkeeper, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's you know sometimes you just have players who you uh, who you have your favourites and it, and just because of he's he's perhaps not uh, he's a bit um, I don't know unconventional sometimes especially his training techniques um, but it, it works for him and I think okay he, he, there's the the odd mistake in him but I think as a as a Real Madrid keeper following from you know like Casillas who's obviously a hero at the club uh, there was a lot of pressure on him. Now he's going into a year when he could when he's when he's third uh, Champions League yeah. on the trot, you know, and it's he's still capable of those wonderful saves as well. Uh, Carius, it's you've got to give him a lot of credit, a lot of credit to him, a lot of credit to John Ackerberg, goalkeeping coach. Um, he's obviously benefiting from being backed by his manager and, and giving that confidence of uh, of playing all the time, and it just shows you that in goalkeepers. In, in my eyes, you need that consistency. You need that consistency playing with people in front of you, creating those relationships. Um, so you're almost anticipating what the person in front of you is going to be doing so you can take up positions in relative to where they are. And I think um, 
they've, obviously they've been less shaky and he, he, there's no getting away from it. He was conceding goals that he should not have been uh, previous to this, uh, this this run of form. And, and now it's... I, would, I wouldn't go as far as say that they don't need to bring in another goalkeeper, but the certain bits, he certainly made it less of an issue now. Did, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on Navas, Colin? Yeah, well, as David alluded to there, it's massive pressure um, replacing Iker Casillas at the club. He's obviously a club legend, club captain, somebody adored by the fans. But Navas has been under pressure since day one, big, mm. big pressure. And there's been questions asked of him year after year. And whenever, obviously, whenever Casillas left, there was those, those links to David De Gea and everybody thought that was going to go through and it didn't at the last minute. And then everybody thought, well, what's going to happen with Navas now? Is, is he just going to be the number one goalkeeper? And the fact is that, that since he has been, they have won the three straight, or, or could, could have won the three straight Champions League title by Saturday. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. And yes, he's made one or two high-profile clangers that were in this, in this tournament. But, but by and large, he, he is a very consistent goalkeeper. I don't think he's at a level which is maybe the level that De Gea is at, that Jan Black or Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. I don't think he's quite that elite, but he's still a very, very good goalkeeper. And I think the main, the main reason that he stayed in Madrid's team is that he's absorbed all this pressure. And he's somebody that can front up. He's somebody that has belief in himself. And that belief, again, has been, it's one of Zidane's strengths. He, he's, he's told him, like, you're my goalkeeper. I'm going to be sticking with you and no matter what. And I think that's helped him. And again, he's, he's just a leader in that team now. He's somebody who's been there for years. And he's, a, and he's an important player for Madrid, you know. And actually, going, going back to, to the tactical battles as well for, for Saturday, there's one, obviously, the focus is on the, the sort of Salah and Ronaldo against the, the respective defences. But I think a key one's Casemiro against Firmino because they're going to be occupying a very similar area of the pitch. They're both Brazilian international teammates. And they're both they're both real grafters, you know. They're both people who aren't who aren't afraid to get a, to get a foot in and and to concede fouls and whatever else to break up the play. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because if Madrid can nullify Firmino and his the impact he has in that Liverpool attack in terms of setting up space for others, I think that could be a key issue. But by, by contrast, if they can draw Casemiro out of position with Firmino's runs, it could open up Madrid that wee bit more and expose the back line. So I think that's another key area to look at for Saturday. It's really interesting, and I, and I definitely agree. If you stop Firmino playing, then, then you, to an extent, I think you stop Liverpool. Um, looking at the odds now, t- time to uh, the reason why we're all here. Um, and if you're looking at the to lift the trophy betting market on odds checker, you'll see that Real Madrid are the eight to eleven favourites. That's with Bet Victor and Spreadex. Uh, whilst we've got um, Liverpool are fifteen to uh, eleven with one eight eight bet. Is that? I mean, would you say that the you know? Percentage chances that equates to is, it would be echoed in in Spain, or would, would Real be seen as, as bigger favourites out uh, in their home country? Um, Madrid are definitely favourites, but they've been, <clears throat> they've been careful to to nullify the the hype a little bit. They've been very careful in what they said in the press. They've played it down like look, we we want the win. We know it's going to be a very tough game. We know what Liverpool's strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and we're going to try and we're going to try and combat that. But they've played down the expectations a little bit. They're not coming out and saying that you know we've, we've got any any celebrations or anything like that planned. They've tried to say very grounded, and I think Madrid are definitely favourites. But having said that, I was looking at the odds for a Liverpool win, and I think that in that if Liverpool are to win, I think they might have to do it in ninety minutes. I think if this is going to go into extra time, it's going to go to penalties. I would definitely have Madrid down as favourites, not just for their experience, but also the fact that Liverpool tend to tire quite late on in games, as we've already discussed. So I think the odds of a Liverpool win in ninety minutes are are favourable. But I think should it go beyond that, I would definitely have Madrid as as overwhelming favourites to get their name on the trophy again. So yeah, so Liverpool to win in ninety minutes is uh, the eleven to five mark at the moment. Um, with marathon bet that is Real Madrid in ninety minutes is thirteen to ten. The draw is best price um, twenty nine to ten with Sport Pisa. 
does that i mean if you're looking at it in, in sheer percentage terms um that 15 to 11 best price uh is 42.3 percent probability andrew does that equate to how likely you think you are to be celebrating on saturday night i'd take that probably um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's, I can't really sort of disagree with um, what Colin said. Liverpool don't have the bench to make changes if they need to. Um, and obviously, with, if it goes beyond 90 minutes, that, that certainly becomes a bit of an issue. Um, I, th- I mean, I think Liverpool have got a good chance. I, you know, Real, Real are obviously deservedly favourites, but um, Liverpool can hurt them with the, with the skills they've got. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 42% sounds all right to me. Real Madrid in extra time is 10 to 1 best price with Bet365 and, and Skybet. And Real Madrid after penalties is 14 to 1 with 365. Um, David, what do you think? I mean, who are you leaning towards? Who do you think? Do you think Real are the most likely winners? Yeah, I think when we spoke about Real Madrid being lucky this season, I've heard that a lot. And of course, they, they've, they've probably had the, the, the tougher opponents. Um, Liverpool, you could say, were lucky not uh, to, or lucky to get Rome in the semi-finals, not Bayern Munich. So it was, you know, if you, it depends which way you look at it. They've, they've just, they just timed it really well. You know, it's almost like a, you know, somebody who wins Wimbledon. You know, they, they they take it easy in the first few rounds, don't get drawn into any five setters, and then, and then just to ease the way and, and get strong as they go on. And they were exactly the same. Every when they when they lost to Tottenham at uh, at Wembley, everyone said exactly the same thing. It didn't come for Great for Tottenham, brilliant for them, but it means nothing in the long long term, and uh, it's proved exactly that. I mean, the, the other, I mean, a huge talking point around this game, and it's something that I've subscribed to, and I think it's going to be about seven three to someone. Is yeah. that there's going to be a load of loads and loads of goals, and that is reflected in the markets. If you're looking at, you know, over two and a half goals is is best price around about the uh, the, the two one mark. That's a black type, um, which is unbelievably short for that market. If you're looking at over three and a half, again. It's uh, five to four with, with William Hill. It, because we expect there to be so many goals, because both teams play such you know, fluid attacking football and, and maybe um, aren't the best defensively, uh, and because of the amount of goals we've seen in the Champions League so far this competition, is, is that fair enough or, or has, has the market maybe reacted too much? No, I think that's absolutely fair enough. I mean, I know yesterday Paddy Power had 12 to 1 for it to be nil nil or 12 to 1 for it to be at least eight goals. <laughs> Um, which just seems insane. But um, yeah, Real have had um, over 2.5 in 11 of their 12 matches in the Champions League this season. Liverpool have had it in 10 of their 12. And one of the ones they didn't was their dead rubber match with Porto after they'd already won 5-0. So essentially when the games have counted, these teams have pretty much always had at least three goals. Um, And it's not just in Europe. Um, Madrid are top in La Liga for over 2.5 goals this season and Liverpool were joint third in the Premier League. And, yeah, I mean, you could draw the line where you like, really. I mean, there was over 3.5 goals in three of the four uh, matches in the semi-finals. So you could easily see over 3.5, over 4.5. It's so hard to to call. But, I mean, yeah, over 2.5 has to be guaranteed, really. Guaranteed. If anyone wants a, a two-on nap, you've got it there. Colin, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we've seen the numbers. We know what the teams are about. There should be goals. But that being said, I'd have a little bit of caution with those markets, just in the sense that finals tend to be cagey affairs, and certainly with Madrid, they they will they will be pragmatic in this. And they, as I said, they look to soak up pressure, and they might not they might not go out for the for the win. And 
we've seen Madrid's domestic form as well. A lot of their struggles and a lot of the goals they've conceded have been in games in which they've been expected to win. So it's been high scoring affairs when they just know that if we attack, we'll win. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that will be the case this time. But I mean, I, I would say that at least three or four goals in this is it's very tempting. You know, it, 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 with the players that are on the pitch um, and with the, with the goals that they've scored this season, I, I'd expect a lot of goals. I think no, you know, I was thinking nil nil at half time. If, if, if you think it's going to be a cagey start, it's three to one the spread. X. I was only going to say, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche with Liverpool, really, but they just don't know how to do KG. Mm-hmm. Real might want to make it KG, but it's not. <laughs> in, Liverpool just don't know how to do it, I don't think. So, um, yeah, I think there was uh, definitely going to be goals in this one. Uh, talking about, if you do agree, that, that Liverpool may struggle with the legs at the end, uh, draw at half-time, Real Madrid full-time is 21-4 to with Marathon Bet, and then Liverpool half-time, Real Madrid full-time is 22-1. to Heartbreak. For the likes of Andrew and other Liverpool fans, uh, David, where do you stand on the on, on the kind of the goals line and, and, and how we can expect this to, to go? Yeah, I'd expect it. Like I said before, I'd expect Liverpool to come out all guns blazing and try and get uh, a couple of early goals and, and see them going one, maybe two goals up, and then like, like we keep saying, it, it, they look like they might tie in the end and and Madrid's experience and and belief come through in the end. So I, I think over four and a half goals, decent better twelve to five with us a black type and. Um, and 3-2 to uh, to Real Madrid. But I can, I can actually see it going 3-2 either way, really. So I'll give you the 3-2 either way. I mean, if you, if you want to bet on time of... I mean, as I say, on Oddschecker, you can find all these different markets. Basically, anything you want to bet on, you can find something. As these guys are talking through it, I'm just trying to translate that into bet. So we've got first half... Uh, Liverpool score in the first half is 19-20 to 20 with Betway. Liverpool to score between uh, the uh, first minute and the 15th is 9-2 to two with Unibet. 15th and 30th is 4-1. to one. So if you think, like David, Liverpool will come out the blocks fast, uh, you've got those markets there. And Real Madrid to win 3-2 is 20-1 to one with William Hill. And Liverpool to win 3-2 is 25-1 with Bet Victor. So loads of different markets there. Now, the one that I think everyone enjoys betting on, the first uh, goal scorer market. And this could be a bit of a minefield, given that we're expecting so many goals. We've got Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo... Uh, who might quite enjoy a goal in a final? Apparently, uh, is sixteen to five with Hills. Uh, Mohamed Salah is uh, nine to two. That is with William Hill as well. Gareth Bale thirteen to two. Karen Benzema thirteen to two. Roberto Firmino fifteen to two. Um, it's a tough one, this. But where's the value here? I would, if I had, if I had to put a name down for first goal scorer, I would say it'd probably be Ronaldo. Um, again, it's it's the logical choice. It was. It was the Portuguese forward. He, he opened the scoring in last year's final. Um, he scored in the 2014 final. He scored the decisive spot kick in the 2016 final. His his record in the Champions League is, is insane, especially over the past two or three seasons. And yes, he didn't score in either leg against Bayern, but up up until that point, he'd, he'd scored in every every match. His and he should have done as well. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he should have done. He he will be the man that gets chances, and he will be the man that Madrid purposefully tried to afford those chances to. That's how their counter attack will be set up, and it'll be him in the middle trying to find space in that defence. I, I think I think it's like I think it's likely that he will be the first goal scorer on Saturday. 16 to 5, that is again with Hills. Um, Andrew, is it surprised to see Sadio Mane at such a big price given his record in the competition at 9 to 1, given that Salah is, not, is 9 to 2 and, uh, and uh, Firmino is 15 to 2? I mean, I suppose it makes sense in that he is the third top scorer of those three players. Mm. But I mean, yeah, it's certainly possible that he could um, get the first goal here, definitely. I mean, 
you know, you can't say it'll play out the same, but he scored the first goal um, in Rome in the second leg of the semi-final. And uh, his form has been very good in the, in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, he's definitely a value bet. I think I would possibly go for um, Firmino of the Liverpool front three um, because uh, he's scored six away goals in the Champions League this season, which is um, second only to Ronaldo, obviously. Um, but yeah, so he, he's done well um, away from Anfield, actually better than um, Salah. So um, yeah, if I was picking one of the three for, for value, I'd probably go for Firmino. It's interesting to see a black type because I mean, I know that the, the, the lads behind the price of the black type are, are fairly shrewd, a fairly shrewd lot. And if you're looking at the first goal scorer market, Sergio Ramos is largely available at about 22 to 1, and a black type go ninth. So I think maybe the lads in the office think there's going to be a bit of a set-piece frenzy to target. Uh, yeah, but Mr. perhaps, Harris. I mean, it, you know, if you're looking at late goals and late winners, he, he's certainly going to be one that, uh, that you'd look at as well. I don't know. I mean, I look at the likes of sort of uh, Gini Wijnaldum. In the same, before he was at Liverpool, he scored sort of one every, just over one every three. And uh, obviously his rules maybe has changed a little bit now, but because he's the one of the three who's going to have the licence to get forward and he's got the capability to get in the box, I don't know whether he might turn up for a, uh, for a, for a goal. And I mean, he's 20, 25, 25 to 1, to one yeah, type, yeah. 6 to 1 any time. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. And also Ronaldo um, to score any time, which I think is probably the one that a lot of people will be interested in, is a massive 17 to 20 with Marathon Bet. I cannot imagine that will stick around for long because that seems... Like a massive price to me. We're nearly at the end um, of this of this Champions League season and of this podcast. So finally, I'm going to come to these three shrewdies and ask them for their best bet. Um, I do, whether or not we've covered it already doesn't matter. So Colin, coming to you first, what do you reckon? Yeah, we have actually covered this one. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a long shot in the market, 22 to 1. But I think Liverpool could be leading at half-time and Madrid at full-time. The reason I think that is, we've looked historically, Liverpool's last European final against Sevilla in 2016, 1-0 up at the break, lose 3-1. Again, Sevilla, earlier on the season, another Spanish side, 3-0 up at half-time, draw 3-3. Even at Roma, they were 2-1 up away um, at half-time and they lost 4-2. And even, even in that first leg, they took that five-goal advantage before throwing away the late goals it's what Liverpool tend to do they do dip off late in games and in the second half I've spoken about before and Madrid are almost the opposite they've come from behind to win at Bayern Munich they came from behind to defeat PSG 3-1 and recently in the league as well they were twice behind at Barcelona to draw 2-2 so they're a team that know how to how to how to you know come come from behind and and uh, and to make a comeback and I, I think I could play out in this game as well. Andrew do you reckon you'll have a sore ahead if that comes true or if you win on uh, Sunday morning? It's going to be a sore head either way, isn't it, um, to be honest? I think, um, I mean, the, ob- the obvious thing to say here for a best bet is probably um, over 2.5 goals and both teams to score, um, which I know is around about 7 to 10. I just can't see any way that doesn't happen. Um, but obviously, I'm not coming on here without giving a pro-Liverpool bet. Um, so Liverpool to win and both teams to score um, is available at around about 4 to 1. Yeah, fours with uh, William Hill, Betfair and Paddy's. Yeah, and I just can't see any way Liverpool win and keep a clean sheet. That just seems hugely unlikely <laughs> against Real Madrid. So, um, yeah, Liverpool to win and both to score at 4-1, to one, I think, looks a, looks a decent bet for a pro-Liverpool one. And, David, coming to you last? Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with, with either of those, to be honest with you, um, especially the, the Liverpool-Real uh, Madrid one. But I would go for... I've been looking at multiple scorers and... Um, 
you're looking at Ronaldo and Salah, you'd have to say that um, they've got a decent chance of scoring a couple of goals each, especially Ronaldo. But I'm going to go with Salah to score two or more at four to one with us. Salah, two or more at four to one. And also remember, Black Type, if you, if you don't have an account, go on there now and you'll see the Odds Checker podcast special, which is Salah to score and Liverpool to win at four to one. I'm going to give my two cents worth, so it's pretty worth uh, turning off now. Um, where I reckon Liverpool minus one at 11 or two is a massive price, purely because if they are leading going into that last 15 minutes, um, then you know, Madrid are going to have to come at them. And I don't think there's a better team in world football at the moment of picking off teams who are, who are leaving big, big gaping holes at the back. And, if, if, uh, if they are leading in that last 15 minutes, you're cashing out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I want, never want to cash out me uh, to, for, for my sins. But um, there you go. I think we've covered every base. I think we've looked at what's happened in the Champions League this season. We've looked at how we expect the game to go. And we've looked at where we think the value lies. Thank, thanks all three of you. Um, for, uh, for, for, for joining us that is Andrew Beasley David Priest, and Colin Miller who you can find on Twitter and, and many many articles online and uh, you can find me at George Ellick on Twitter as well follow at Odds Checker um, and join us uh, soon for a very very special World Cup preview where we can reload after the winnings from this podcast and go into the big competition in Russia ready to go again <laughs> <laughs>